Glad that you came to this workshop. You obviously are interested in the various forms of publishing that we now have available to us as writers and future authors. Um, and these women are experts at what they do. A uh, little bit about me, I'm Marla Miller. If you don't know me, I, I run the Hooking Readers Workshop. Um, I also will be doing the platform building one tomorrow to close out the conference, as I always do every year. And um, I know that people have frustrations about the publishing life. And people have always, writers have always had frustrations about the publishing life. And that's what I talk about, uh, or at least have talked about in my workshop. It's always been extremely difficult to get published. And I believe that we're living in the best of times and the worst of times because we have other avenues now. We have self-publishing. We have hybrid presses. We have small presses, and we have traditional publishing. Um, that's the good news. The bad news, in my opinion, is that everybody and their mother is a writer today. And so just the sheer volume of writers who are hitting all of these avenues of publication, I think makes it challenging for publishers as well as writers who are on the road to becoming authors to um, sell because everybody's selling. And so how do we sell creatively? Hopefully you're getting some information about that here vis-a-vis -vis social media, your, your um, websites, uh, podcasts, etc. Today we have four publishers and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, one of the reasons why I'm going to let them do that is because I kind of didn't know I was doing this workshop and so I haven't done my homework as well as I should. I know some of them and what they're doing but I don't know all. So I'm going to ask each one to go down the, uh, the row and give us a synopsis of what it is that you do to help writers become authors with your presses. Okay. Hello, thank you for coming. I am Angela Borda, a.k.a. Silver Web. I am the editrix of the Santa Barbara Literary Journal, which has been going for five years now, I think. And actually, the conception for this started here at the Santa Barbara Literary Journal. I was in an early morning writing group with some people here who were in it. Um, and I had been listening to people talk at the conference, very good writers talk about how difficult it was to get published. And I was sitting there listening to these stories and I was just like, I'm an editor. I know how to use Adobe Creative Suite. And I was like, how hard could this be? <laughs> and it was really hard. <laughs> it turned out to be really hard. <laughs> um, I don't recommend it actually. <laughs> But um, I'm very glad that I did. And so the Santa Barbara Literary Journal is a, sort of a, a project to represent our writing community and the writing, our larger writing community. And that comes out twice a year. Is everyone, can they hear? Okay, good. Can everyone hear me? Okay. And the parent company for that is Bordo Books. So I have branched out into doing single author story collections and um, anthologies. So I put out... The Fifth Fedora in honor of Stephen Vessels, who some of you might know from the conference. And this has stories, many of 
many of the people who wrote and contributed are here at the conference. So I do both. I do journals and I do single author books. And what we're going to, you know, I, I just kind of realized we've got two and a half hours here to fill. So what we're going to want to know is how we pitch to you, et cetera, et cetera. But let's go to the next person, and then that'll be our next um, Okay. My question. name is Chris Yost. Say that again, babe. My name is Chris Yost, mm-hmm. and I have several different roles. I'm here primarily as the principal for Sun Gold Editions, which is a little tiny, tiny press that includes this entire staff of me. Um, but I help people bring their books into the world. And so I've had everything from handwritten notes that became a book to people that just don't know how to get those very last steps to getting a book printed and out in the world. Um, I'm also part of Gunpowder Press. We're Santa Barbara's local poetry press, and we have an online journal called Anna Kappa Review. So I do a lot of different types of publishing, um, both online through Anna Kappa Review, kind of hybrid things through gunpowder, and then um, Sun Gold Editions, which is a whoever will pay me press. Um, I'm Patricia Marshall from Luminary Press in Eugene, Oregon. I think I'm like the only person here, with the exception of Jessica, who's not from Southern California. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, Michigan. Okay. Um, We are a... uh, company that helps authors self-publish. And I was listening to your talk yesterday, and I was like, I call ourselves, I, I call us a hybrid publisher in that we provide all the services for authors that they need. So from editing to book design to publication help. Um, and we are expanding a little bit into um, helping authors learn how to do things themselves, particularly the publication part. So we, my, my company's about 13 years old. Uh, I started it when my mother self-published her first book at 89. Wow. So she published a book, she self-published it, and she was so happy, it was great, it was a story she'd been working on forever, but the production value of the book was not good. It was a very expensive process for her, and her book was not good-looking. Um, the cover was, was really rough. The interior layout was bad. And I was sitting around with some friends of mine one night. We were passing the book around, and one of them said, we could do better than this. <laughs> so I was a magazine editor at the time, so it was an easy transition to, to moving into producing books for authors. So we have packages that include... Um, you know what, I'm going to ask you to hold off on that right okay. now because then I want you to go into detail. Okay. Okay, so you're hybrid press. Okay. Hello, my name is Holly Kmeyer, and I am the co-founder of Acorn Publishing. Um, kind of similar in how we started, my co-founder and best friend Jessica and I started together uh, a fake company in order to publish her book under, because her first book had done incredibly well. In her first month, she sold 60,000 books, and it was a trilogy. And so she got the rights back, that's the short version of the story, to her book and um, wanted to self-publish, but to still look like she was with an imprint. So we started this bank company. We published our books together. Both of our books did quite well. We practiced on two other people just to make sure we could actually help other people do what we had done. And one of them 
became Kirkus Review's Indie Book of the Year and won the New York Times Festival of Books. So we said, holy cow, I think we could do this. That was eight years ago. We have over 150 books, um, about 80 authors. Our, most of our books have won awards. Two have been turned into films. Um, we are very unique for a hybrid press in that we have partnerships and connections with traditional publishers overseas. So we've gotten a number of our hybrid authors here in the U.S., traditional publishing deals overseas. So they have their, their books published in other languages. We also work with a Hollywood literary agent who works on getting them translated into film. And I think another good thing to add to what Marla said, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. This is the hardest time in history to get in with the big five, big four, really. It used to be big 30 and more. But it is the best time to get film and television deals. The streaming services are desperate for good content. And so if you can get your book out sooner rather than later and get it out in the world and start attending book festivals, we go to the LA Times Festival of Books each year. Our authors are welcome to attend with us. It's a great time to get film and television deals. Okay, great. Um, Questions? You might have questions at this point for any of our... Go ahead. It happens all the time. <laughs> no. Uh, no, what I what I am publishing in terms of single authors is story collections, so they're not. It's not. Uh, there's no flow through to the stories. It's a collection of stories, and that's what I've done thus far. Are you asking if if any of these publishers publish anthologies, or are you are you asking that? Um, well, I'm looking for what would be. A, a, I mean, Acorn is great. But just looking at maybe there's an author that or a publisher that specializes in collections. Collection. I mean, they're hard to sell. Yeah. I mean, many have been published in newspapers and stuff like that. But it would be, you know, the seven continents glued together. Don't downplay your book. Please. The world will do that for you, so don't you. Um, okay, so keep, so keep that in mind, and, 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 and we'll go through here. Cause, because I think a lot of authors are, um, have collections. They have you know, short stories with, that have a thematic arc um, that binds them all together, but certainly traditional publishing, unless you have uh, you know, a big name, they usually don't touch those. Um, but I believe that small presses do, so you want to know that. Who else has a question? Christine. I want your question, Marla. You 
you were going to ask, so I want to know how each of you. Good. We will do that. For work, uh, accepts work. Good. Your submission processes, where people should go to find their way into you, if it's some way, you know, websites or whatever, if it's some way besides. That's going to be our next round. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. You had your hand up. The thing I actually want to do before that is I'd like to hear each of you if you have areas or genres or types Good. that you specialize in or are trying to break into. Okay. So we've got, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just to back up, what's the difference between a collection and an anthology? You know, it's the verbiage. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, I, Marla, I, I have the same question. You guys probably know better than I do, but I think an anthology is different authors, right? With yes. So many different stories from different authors. And I think a collection, it means that it's the single author. Correct. Oh, yes. Good. Um, okay, so now let's address what Christine wants to know, which is how do we submit to you, to you, to you, and to you? And take it away, and I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> don't go, Marla. <laughs> <laughs> hey, girl. Do you want to start? You want me to start? Because I don't need to be up there. This is for you guys. I don't need to moderate this. You've got a million questions. Okay. I will moderate it, but I'm going to do it from here. Okay. If you don't mind. No. Will you okay. come sit with yeah, us and hold our hand? <laughs> Thanks, girl. Okay, so Acorn Publishing, how do you submit? You email us your first three chapters in a Word document with your query. The query is not something that you need to bang your head against the wall. We're not judging you on your writing on the query. The query, we will do that with your chapters. The query is to let us know what genre is this book, what Word count is this book, and it's really important. Word count is different than page count. All your publishers, all your agents are going to want to know the word count and what it's about. And so that's how you get started with Acorn. Now, if you happen to be in a pirate read and read some phenomenal story, Christine, you might already have their interest. Uh, with Luminary Press, it's a little different. We don't have a submittal, a submission process. Uh, generally, people can set up an appointment to talk to me on the phone, and we sort of assess whether we can help you or not. If we decide we can help you, you know, we learn about your project and things. If we decide we can help you, we ask you to submit, <coughs> excuse me, a few chapters of the manuscript so we can get an idea of what level of editing it might require. So we don't require all our authors to get editing through us because some authors will get independent editing, but we want to know where we are with the book. Um, we don't have particular genres we publish. We are all over the place and all over the world, but um, I'd say we do, we do probably 50% of the books we do are novels, okay. and then we do a lot of family memoirs. Um, we do a lot of children's picture books, which are surprisingly hard to do. Um, and yeah, things like that. Good. Thank you. And you can find us on our website. I don't have a lot of literature with me, so. No, that's fine. And the website is. The I have cards, yes. Okay. Luminarypress.com. Luminarypress yeah. 
I would also, just if I can jump in here, I would also, because I know, I know a lot about the hybrids, and um, there was one that came out 12 years ago. It was the first, in, as far as I knew, and I invited her to come down with a couple of her authors to be in my workshop when I was really focused on how do we get our books published. And hybrid was just starting to percolate. Um, people weren't interested in it. And they just weren't. I was, but they weren't. Um, and so I think that the, the um, growth and development of hybrid presses is another indicator of the times that we're living in. I think perhaps people have, have realized that in order to get into those four houses in New York, um, they better have something that's bigger than life. And, um, and so if we don't have that, we have character-driven stories or, you know, nonfiction, uh, what do we do? Hybrid is a viable alternative. Um, and I'm going to ask you both in terms of pricing, if you don't mind, but later, because nothing's free in this world, and if you think it is, I don't know where you've been living. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, Okay, what is our specific question again that we're answering? How do they submit to you? How do you submit to me? Yeah. Okay, well, if you're interested in having something published, you can just email me. Uh, my email is cyost, S-E-A-Y-O-S-T, at gmail.com. That's the easiest way. Um, what I've found with Sun Gold Editions is that the authors are so diverse and all over the place um, that it, it really is kind of a disservice to build that as a brand because it doesn't stand for anything specifically. You know what I mean? And if you were to look at this book and that book, you might go, I'm, I'm not a good fit for this. That's not the goal. This is not a community in the way that, for example, Gunpowder Press is, which is all poetry. We have a very high standard of who we publish, how we publish. Sun Gold is a lot more flexible. And I've had some incredible award-winning authors that have gone through Sun Gold just because they wanted it done quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's something I can offer. I can do it well and do it quickly um, if you have resources to support your own publication. Um, but, so it's, a, it's really varied. And I talk to authors about wherever they are in the project and try to figure out what's a good fit for them. Okay, thanks, Chris. Angela. Um, you can go to santabarbaraliterarijournal.com and check our submissions page. Uh, we publish the journal twice a year, so you can look and see when the next um, moment to submit would be. And also the same for um, novel propos proposals or book proposals. Um, just check and see if we're accepting. And then uh, right now you would just email me. But this summer I'm hoping to switch over to submittable, so soon that's how we'll be accepting, accepting work. Is there anything I've got, else? I've got a question for all of you. Um, on average, I mean, we've been hearing for many, many years when agents, you know, get up on their pan the panel, they'll, they'll talk about um, how many query letters they get. And, the, and, and some of them suggest that, you know, the pile is so high that they can't get through uh, them. And, um, and, and, and I think that there's some truth in that, at least for some of the agents. Um, what about you guys? How, how, how much uh, querying are you getting on average? Do you ever turn anybody down? 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Talk about that if you would a little bit. Um, I, because I have a, a little bit of an unusual situation, I'm busy all the time talking okay. to potential clients. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't like to turn people down. I turn people down if they're not a good fit or if it doesn't feel like I can help them at all. So in terms of querying, I just get, I, I you know, spend my week talking to authors, trying to, in, in usually in 15 or half hour chunks, trying to figure out whether they will be a good fit for what we do. You know, one thing I want to say about self-publishing or hybrid publishing, like we know we can't publish every book in the world. We don't want to. You know, we're a certain size business. We want to stay that size. Okay. And so it's not like uh, it's not like necessarily bigger is better. You're kind of focused on the the quality and helping re- really helping people who you can help and referring other people other places. And if, Patricia, did you say that um, you would like people to contact you via uh, via email and not necessarily a query letter? Are you gonna no. Are you gonna request a query letter? No, I do not request a query That's letter. That's interesting. We generally, well, it's a, it's a different process. Yeah, so we yeah. generally start with a phone call to see if someone feels like they're a good fit. Um, not, you know, I like to work with nice people. Um, <laughs> Me too. And most authors are nice people, but but you know, we we just want to know that they're they're going to fit into our ecosystem in a way that, that works for both of us. So you screen authors. I think that's very wise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, OK, Holly. So as Acorn is an imprint, it is a brand. Um, all of our, each one of our authors represents all of our other authors. Most importantly, they represent Jessica and my books. We are both writers. She's a little more prolific than I am. Um, I would say maybe 20 a week we get, and it, our rejection rate is pretty high. It's different coming from conferences. I would say it flips because when we come to conferences like this one, we're getting really quality submissions or submissions that we look at and say, okay, we can work with this. We can figure out how we can set you up with a developmental editor or content editor to get it ready for publication. But the general queries we get, it's, it's really surprising what, what comes through the door. So most of the time we're saying no, but again, at these conferences, there's a lot more yeses. Um, yes. Thank you. I'm not actively like advertising to get people. I'm primarily through referral. So authors that I've worked with before will say, oh, you know, either people will ask them where they got their work done, that person will reach out to me. And because, again, I'm very, very small, one-person shop, um, you know, I turn things down if they're just not a good fit or if the timing doesn't work. I have to be realistic about how much time I can devote to a project. Would you say, Chris, that, you're, that your authors are pretty much Santa Barbara County? Um, no, not entirely. Okay, okay, not entirely. Angela, um, well, because I do the <clears throat> because I do the journal, um, my submissions are cyclical, so I'm not constantly bombarded with them. I probably would have to reject about seventy percent of what comes to me, and it's my least favorite thing to do. Um, 
but uh, for the books, um, I do also screen for people. I, uh, when someone sends me their work, I do evaluate if it's going to be nice to work with them. And to some extent, if they have some way to also um, promote their own work. Is that important to you, Angela? Well, I've accepted yeah. some work from really good writers who turned out to not have all their wheels on the runway. And when that happens, it's such a headache yeah. that it's not worth it. Um, and That leads me to, uh, you raise an interesting point, and it makes me wonder, do you assess, any of you, assess the platform of an author before you, in, in, in the process of deciding whether you're going to accept or reject? I would say, for me, platform is irrelevant. Okay. Our authors are paying up front. Okay. So our business model, we're going to stay in business. Okay. We're getting what we need to keep going. Um, the author is investing in themselves. Obviously, we love it when they do well because it builds the brand, and many of our authors have done quite well. But no, we are taking authors based on the quality of the writing Pretty much, period. Unless mm-hmm. there's signs that this is going to be a challenging human to work with. Um, there's 17 of us on the team. We work extremely close with our authors. So if we see any red flags personality-wise, it's a no. But not, not on the platform, no. Okay. So because you get your money up front, then looking at their social media, I mean, I would think, I would gravitate toward authors who haven't, bigger platform because they're going to get their books out there and, and, and it's going to be a wonderful reflection on your presses, no? Well, we're not going to say no to a good writer, though. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you know I what? I talk about platform, not right. even the writing. I see what you're saying. And yes, yeah. it's, it's definitely, it could be a tipping point if the writing is kind of mediocre, but they have a huge platform. But, okay. I mean, I've said no to some decent-sized platforms before because the writing wasn't there. And honestly, when I'm looking at their social media, which I do, it's more to see how they present themselves because, again, it's we're looking for personalities and we don't want somebody that's not going to represent our brand well, but it's not the size of their platform. Okay, great. And what about you, Patricia? Uh, And down the row, yeah. I do not look at their platforms, but I do have discussions with all of our potential authors about their goals. So if their goal is to sell their book and make a million dollars, like we have to have a talk, you know, about how they're going to do that. Because again, there there are more than 2 million books, I think, self-published or hybrid published Mm -hmm. every year. So they need to understand where they fit in that ecosystem and how they're going to make that work. So I'm always really happy when, when an author says to me, oh, I'm great at marketing, because I'm like, you are like a unicorn in the, in the world of authors, because a lot of authors, are, of course, are very, very introverted and not they don't want to sell their book. But their platform does not matter to me. Their goals do matter to me. Okay, thank you. Chris. Is it Chris or Chrissy? Chris? Chris, okay, yeah. Um, since I'm working mostly with poets, we have very low expectations for either sales or platform or anything else. Yeah. 
Um, most poetry books are do not go on to become bestsellers. Um, they are sold by the author at readings, at events. Um, so it's a little bit different where nobody's hoping for that breakthrough. Okay. Cha-ching. Although I'm no, I don't know if anyone else is, but I'm noticing a lot more poetry books being published. I mean, it used to be back in the day, like, you know, poets would get together and kind of, you know, do this to each other because they knew they weren't going to sell, but they weren't writing to sell. They were writing because they had to write. And now I'm seeing collections, anthologies, way more than, and, and that's delightful. Yeah, it's, it's good for a short attention span readership. It really know, is. And in, in 21st century, yeah, there's a lot of a, a short attention spans. Yep. And yeah. part of that, Marla, is, is social media. Yep, it we is. have these young poets it is. that are yeah. posting on social media and gaining big platforms. Yeah. And then they get published. Yeah. So they are helping revive poetry. Which is great. Which yeah. is delightful. Angela? Um, because, like Chris, uh, Board of Books is basically a one-person enterprise, and I work full-time, there's a limit to what I can take on. Sure. And so it's very, very important to me, not only that I believe in the person's writing, but that I can sense from their platform that they're a solvent person. They're not ranting about, you know, uh, you know bad ideas that I you know, don't want to be associated with me. So I look to make sure... It's a solvent person who's professional in the way they present themselves on their platform and their social media, but also that realistically is the way that my books anyway get sold is that the author is has a wide network of people that they can go to readings, they can um, it, they can use their connections to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Board of Books and the Literary Journal has a certain amount of you know community here, and that helps. But for a small publisher, it the author needs to have a platform by which they can promote themselves. Yeah. Um, now, questions. Let's do questions. Go ahead. All right. Um, so I'm interested in hearing kind of how... I, I tried the self-publishing a few years ago, really didn't get... The marketing was difficult. I did, right? too. So one of the draws of that, let's say Amazon, obviously, is that you put it out there, you know where it's going to be, how it's distributed, how you know, mm-hmm. and you know what the cut is and all that. I'm up. My question is about the distribution. So if we go, if, if we go with one of you, how and where would the users, the readers, actually uh, encounter the books? Uh, where is that connection made in, in each of your models? So with hybrid, every hybrid is has their own way of doing things. Hybrid just means it's this combination of options. Um, with Acorn Publishing, we strongly believe in print on demand. We are using KDP, which is going to put your book on Amazon. We use Draft to Digital to get all the ebooks out beyond that. Ingram Spark we use as well because that's where bookstores are going to order your books. So our books are pretty much available anywhere books are sold. And again, it's print on demand, so you are not paying. in addition to everything else to do some massive print run and then saving it in some warehouse and then paying for shipping fees. I agree with you. I think print on demand is absolutely the way to go. And so we haven't changed that. We do that. It's just we are creating this book for you and you are joining a community. Also, when you were talking about marketing, our authors 
don't necessarily have to be savvy at marketing. If they have a budget, we, um, we have a partnership with iHeartMedia. So I mean, they can go as far and wide as they want with marketing. And then again, we have this large team. And so some of the women that work with us, the younger ones, they, they've created all these um, smaller packages for our authors, like putting together Amazon ads or doing Amazon bestseller campaigns. So there's a lot of options. So just to be clear, um, you have a flat rate to get published, and yes. then you have packages that the author can purchase to help with marketing, etc. Um, editing, too, I'm assuming. Yes. So you have your flat fee, and that includes some marketing. It includes all the graphics that we create for our authors. It includes um, getting a Barnes & Noble book signing, the opportunity to go with us to the LA Times Festival of Books, although I will say it's $250 for a slot, but we set the entire booth up, we train our authors, we do the marketing for the event so they just can show up. Um, so they do get some, oh, and we also create a really gorgeous press release that we send out to at least 20 members of the media. More importantly, you get this press release and it's really everything you need to email or present in person to bookstores and to newspapers, magazines, anywhere that you want to go out and promote yourself, you've got this beautiful piece of promotional material that you can either email or print out and take with you. So that and that comes, comes with, with the it. package. That comes with it. So okay. you get a lot with it, but if you want to go big, you want to do iHeartMedia, I mean, those campaigns run anywhere from 2000 to 200000 depending yeah. on what you want to do. And that's not included in our price. Yeah, no, I wouldn't think. Patricia? Uh, yes, we also use print-on-demand printing and distribution. We use KDP to distribute to Amazon and IngramSpark to distribute to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So that is, there was a panel yesterday, and the, the author was saying, if you're self-published, you can't get into bookstores. You absolutely can that is absolutely a possibility if you use Ingram Spark, which is associated with Ingram Content Group, which is the largest book distributor in the United States. So um, what was the other part of that question? Um, oh, well, I was talking about yeah, people who are looking at self-publishing versus, but, and it had to do with distribution of how the books get to the readers. Yes. How were they finding them? Yes. And I always tell my authors, like, the distribution setup is not rocket science, but you have to do it correctly. You have to really pay attention to how you set your book up for distribution so that it will be in the places you want it to be. And a lot of authors who are working on their own will just go through um, KDP and use, I think you talked about this yesterday, their expanded distribution, it's a, it's a nightmare. You don't want to do that. Um, so you have to really know what you're doing and how to set it up, and it's that those are learnable skills, <laughs> but they are skills that you have to know about. So then, from from the two of you, can we then assume as as writers on the road uh, to publication that we whoever we contact, we should ask them about distribution? Yes, because distribution is critical. Yeah, and in the poetry world, <laughs> um, we also use um, Ingram, Ingram Spark, because it's just so much, for the bookseller, it's so much easier. 
Booksellers do not, I mean, in the old days, for those of you in Santa Barbara, I mean, you could take a stack of books into Book Den and they'd write you a little receipt that they'd received them and, you know, then they'd, you'd go back in six months and see how many they'd sold and they'd give you a check and no bookstore wants to deal with that hassle anymore. Yeah. They want to be able to go through a distributor and when you print your book through Ingram Spark, they can just order through Ingram, which is where they get a huge chunk of their inventory anyway. Yeah. So it's easier for the bookseller to stock your book or to request it for a customer that comes in asking. Um, it's just much easier. Or the customer can go to Amazon and have it shipped to them as well, or Barnes & Noble, or um, bookshop.org, which is an independent bookstore network, mm -hmm. which is a nice resource as well. Thank you. Go ahead, Angela, and then we've got a question here. Oh, um, yes, I do uh, KDP, of course, and I, I actually still do the old-fashioned thing. I go to Chaucer's and talk to Scott, and <laughs> so all the local bookstores have this. And I've just started Ingram Spark, and actually I have a question for you guys, which is um, once it's on Ingram Spark, is it how do, what is the marketing mechanism by which you or your authors actually make the bookstore aware of it so that they want to order it and have it. Do, do, do people have to come in and say, hey, do you have this book from this author who may or may not be known yet? How does that work? So when you go through Ingram Spark, if they're going to carry it in bookstores, or if bookstores are going to order books from Ingram Spark, you have to make it returnable. And if you make your book returnable and you get it into bookstores where you are not having promotion going on, most likely it's going to end up costing you money. So that's kind of something a lot of writers don't realize going into it. You don't want your book in any bookstores where you don't have some sort of promotion going on or it will end up eating into your profits. With us, um, yes, our authors, we, we get them a Barnes & Noble book signing, and their books will be there from that book signing. Otherwise, they send out the press release to the bookstores that they want to be in, and we recommend that they very much target those specific bookstores where they can go and do a book signing, where they maybe have a newspaper article coming out, something that is going to promote them in that community so that they don't end up getting returns. Okay, and I would say in addition to the returns, which is absolutely crucial, you have to set the right sales discount. And this is a little bit in the weeds for people, but I see a lot of um, authors on, on social media saying, we don't want to set the discount at 55% with Ingram Spark. Um, but the bookstores are trying to make money too. So you have to have the right discount. You have to have the book returnable. Um, I suggest to my authors that they create a one sheet, which is or a sell sheet, it's sometimes called. So you can take that to a bookstore. You don't want to walk into a bookstore with your book and say, will you carry my book? Um, you need to give them the information and sort of understand how the bookstore ecosystem works. Again, so that it works for both of you. The bookstores don't want to sell books where they're not making their customary margin. They, you know, honestly, you guys, they can't afford to. Can't you probably afford. all know bookstore owners. Um, it is not a high-margin business. Um, so you just have to be respectful and understand what the bookstores are looking for and what helps them. And that idea that you would have an event there 
and they can order books through Ingram is that's the way that's the way to do it. That's a you you don't want to even do an event where you're doing consignment unless you're on really good terms with the bookstore owner. Or if it's not a bookstore. So that's another option is when you're looking at a place to do book signings or to sell your books, looking at places that are a little off the book grid. So maybe your local you know, coffee shop or garden shop, depending on what the topic of your book is, you know, think outside the box a little bit for yourself, for your own book, and try to find those spaces where your readers might be. Newsletters from trade journals that are not anything to do with books, Things like that, you know. If it's a story about something, where are people writing about that something? You know, if they're poems about something or that mention specific landmarks, reach out to those places and people. Good point. I remember uh, about oh, more than five years ago, there was um, a gal who wrote a, wrote a novel about um, a famous designer, you know, in, her, in, in, in the... Uh, book and you know creating all these gowns and blah 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 and she decided to take that book when it was sold uh, to um, department stores and ask them if they would be willing to talk to her at least about having a high tea that she would su- she'd supply all the the um, you know uh, um, stuff for it but could she? And they liked. It. I think it was Nordy's. They liked it, and that opened up a whole avenue for authors to tie your book to yours about baseball. We've already talked about this in my workshop. You tie your book to businesses that relate to your book, and you'd be very surprised at how many say yes. We love that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Did you have anything to... Because Marianne's got a question. Go ahead. I actually... You know, when I started researching the hybrid publishing world, I didn't even hear of this word until over a year ago somebody told me about it. And I did a lot of research because my writing group wanted... They were interested, and I provided them a long outline of here's all the people. The prices range from... There's a big one in New York City that actually advertises on, you know, Jumbo Trucks. I mean, it's big. They guarantee you'll get a you'll be an Amazon bestseller. Blah blah blah. They have all this. Ten grand get your book done with them. And I think a lot of it is hype. I I researched another one that I won't name the name. They tried to make it look like they were associated with some big publisher, but they really weren't. I've heard people getting burned by things, and then the prices are all over the the, the you know place. And so I guess I'd like each of you to say what. You provide what makes why should somebody either pick you, 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 or you over somebody else? If you could just give us generally what you do that maybe somebody else doesn't, or what they get for their money, or you know, something in that order. That's what I was trying to do myself online, but here you are. So, well, you can get me out of the way first because I'm not a hybrid publisher, so I don't ask for money from the people whom I publish. Um, but in terms of what can a publishing, um, you know, what can we offer as opposed to self-publishing, it's, it's design, it's the quality of the book. And for these 
uh, the people to the left of me. It's an amazing distribution and a wealth of knowledge about the, the industry. But at a minimum, if you've been looking at books long enough, you can recognize most of the time, 80% of the time, I can look at a book and I can tell that someone made that in a Word file for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I look at it, and I'm just like, I know when I open that book, there's going to be a thousand typos. I know the font is going to be off. I know the margins are going to be bad. It, there is a certain visual appeal and an art to the making of books that publishers can o- offer you. And of course, as a self-published person, you could hire someone Absolutely. to do that for you, and there are many people proficient in the exquisite art of design. But I would say that for people deciding, should I self-publish or should I go with a hybrid model, think about the overall quality of the book that's going to come out of it and how important is that to you. I agree. I do. <laughs> and, I, and I totally agree. I do have a question for you, Angela, though. Where do you make your money? I don't, Marla. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> I work full-time, and I do freelance editing, and I have my own writing career. Um, I do this for the love of it. And, the, the and so then are you, in turn, I, I, I so totally agree with you about being able to identify self-published books, although they're getting better. Yeah. Um, do you do, how do you get the, the book cover? Do you design yourself? I do all the design work, wow. and I do all the editing, and Marianne Knight helps me with the proofreading. But this is why I don't sleep at night. Yeah. I, have a, I have an enduring regard for the book and the art form of the book, and I enjoy doing the covers, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. If it's of interest to you guys, I do collaborate with my authors. So Milda had a great deal of, I designed about six covers, and she was just like, yeah, no, yeah, no. And I'm like, dig deep, Orda. It's her book. And I did. And I finally, I finally, she sent me some ideas for the cover, books she loved. And finally, we came up with this. And so the advantage, perhaps, that I offer is that if I do take on an author, I very much consider them and what they want to present to the world because we're collaborating. And I am willing to bet pretty much you guys do that, too. Angela, just, I, I don't know if you said it in the beginning, but how many books a year do you... We're ramping up, Marla. So there's two of the literary journal. I think I have four books coming out this year yeah. well, that are not... Press, I mean, that's... So five to six yeah, is our goal. And, yeah. It is, but it's, it's good work. It's fun work, and I enjoy representing people's work that I believe in. Cool. Angela? Yes? Very small. <laughs> we, um, I'm sorry. I, I put out the Santa Barbara Literary Journal yes. twice a year and about four, four to six books of um, anthologies and collections for people. Thank you. Go ahead, Chris. She said I agree. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Well, or if you're asking how much do we publish a year... Um, we do a monthly online poetry journal called Anna Kappa Review, so that is every month. Um, it's very small and focused so that you can actually read all the poems in it is our goal. Um, in terms of books, I'm involved in probably 12 to 14 projects a year. I, I, the, the question that I have is, how do you make money? Oh, I have a full-time job at UCSB. So this is a labor of love for you as well? 
yes, this is this is my hobby. This is what I love. Um, but I do not, you know, we, we talked about it a little before the panel. Having a job that provides me with health care benefits, that gives me a, a baseline income, allows me to do what I want with this. It's all extra. It's all gravy. And so then when your authors sell their books, that's all for them? Well, they pay me. Okay, that's what I, that's what I was yeah. asking. Yes. Okay, so could you, you don't have to talk specifically, but in terms of for these writers, so you say someone you know, calls you or queries you and you love it, you mm -hmm. love the book, and you talk to them, it's at whatever it is your process is, um, and you decide, yeah, we're gonna become a, a, a team. Then talk to me a, a bit about money. I, and not, again, not specific, because yeah. that's too personal, I think. But, you know. Well, that's, uh, and that's a, a good bit? point. Um, well, it depends on, because there's a huge range in what the author is going to present to you, from handwritten stuff to things that are really ready to lay out. They're just, they're done, they're polished, yeah. they're edited. So I look at how much time it's going to need. I look at how much fun I'm going to have doing it. Okay. Um, and and just how long it's going to take me. Sometimes it takes a lot of time of just reading and rereading and proofreading. And so I try to consider what's a reasonable hourly rate for me and make an estimate. Okay. And um, you do that up front so that the author knows yeah, what yeah. they're... Okay, that's what I yeah. wanted to know. And sometimes I eat it. I mean, sometimes yeah. I think, oh, I can do this in 10 hours. And, you know, 30 hours later, I'm just going like, oh, my gosh, I'm working for, you know... Two cents an hour. Cookies, yeah. 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 So thank you. So I think your original question was what people get when they are. That was Marianne's. Yeah. What do you get from a hybrid? There's well, a huge range. So so there's a couple that. things. I always tell tell authors that that writing and publishing are two different disciplines. They are. There are people who spend their whole life writing. There are people who spend their whole life in publishing. Authors tend to think that because they're book people, they can make books, um, which to some extent is true, but, but the book is really a product that brings your writing to the world. So I tell my authors there's, there's three things you need to pay attention to. You need to pay attention to the polishing, which is the editing, um, you know, the big picture, the developmental edit down to the copy edit and proofreading. You need to pay attention to the book design, which is the cover and the interior. And I totally agree. You can, uh, you can spot a self-published book a mile away. And no one in the industry is going to take that very seriously. And, you know, readers might or might not. Readers might know or might not. But if your book isn't edited, they're going to know that. Uh, and the third thing they need to pay attention to is the thing we've talked about, the publication. So you need to get your book published in the right places where readers can find it. So when you work with somebody who knows about publishing, and you know, I, I myself am, am what I would consider a failed writer. Um, I have published, I was a magazine editor, I have published many articles and things like that. I have a book length draft, unpublished that needs a lot of work, um, but, I'm, but I'm good at publishing. I understand the publishing world and that ecosystem, starting with a magazine background and moving into books. 
So that's what authors are getting. They're getting that. Um, it's not the only thing they're getting, but it is, they're, they're getting a professional eye on their work, which I think is hugely valuable. I would echo everything that all of these ladies had said, and, and you said it was a ridiculous price. It was 10000 That's about what we are, and that is about average for higher-end hybrid publishing. What are you getting for that? If you are accepted, you are getting a high-end book. By the time it is done, it is going to look and feel just like the books that you're going to find at Barnes & Noble. I have um, samples of our covers, a lot of award-winning covers. They're beautiful. You're also joining a collective. So our authors support each other. They write testimonials for one another. They all get to do a Barnes & Noble book signing. We provide that one sheet or press sheet that you were talking about that you can use to get into other books. Our authors are in bookstores, airports. They're getting speaking engagements. They're teaching at WonderCon. It, you're also getting credibility. You have been vetted. You are part of this other professional group. Um, we have connections with foreign publishers, and we get deals quite regularly for our authors with traditional overseas deals, which is really exciting for them to see their book in another language with a different cover and getting in advance and you know, getting the excitement of also being able to say they're traditionally published with a smaller publisher. We also have connections with movie and film agents, so they're getting an opportunity to perhaps have it turned into something bigger. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more exposure, and, and it just goes back again to what kind of product do you want to put out? One of our authors and a friend of mine compared it to the difference between planning your own wedding, which you certainly can do, to hiring a wedding planner. Mm -hmm. it, it goes beyond that because of all the connections we have in the collective. But oftentimes, people will make mistakes in where they put their money, and they could easily end up spending the same amount of money versus using us and having a whole team supporting them of vetted people that are doing their best work in one particular thing. I don't do nearly anything at this point other than represent us and coordinate and check up on everybody and make sure that all of the women working with us are following up on their pieces so that they're getting the best of each of the opportunities. You had mentioned Barnes & Noble a couple of times, and Holly, do you mean Barnes & Noble in the community where the book, where the author lives? No, it is where I am, that, yeah. that we do the regular one, um, and we do have authors globally. A lot of them fly in for it. They fly in to go with us to the LA Times Festival of Books. We have been really fortunate. None of them have had problems getting into their local bookstores, though, if they're not local. They have the one sheet. Okay. We, they have the reputation. And same with the airports. I mean, they're doing all that themselves. Yes. Yes. Okay. And what you're doing is you're providing them with a book that... That um, will get them there. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And have the reputation. And also, it's the other authors. I mean, the air... I don't even know how many books of ours are now at the San Diego airport, and that's because one of our authors is friends with the owner of the bookstore. Networking, so networking. That's you're you're building about. it, you know, you're joining yeah. in with this other group of people that will help you. And sure. they organize their own book signings at all sorts of events that yeah. normally wouldn't have to do with books and do well at them. 
Also, you're talking about boutiques, and then I'll shut up. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, the cover matters. You, you absolutely can be selling your book at these other places, but when you're looking at it becoming kind of a gift item, it's all about what it looks like. And then they'll go in and sell your book for $30 versus $15. So there is a higher profit margin there as well. We've got questions. Go ahead. And then you. It's going to be obnoxious. What kind of boutique would you suggest for the cover you were on? For this one? This would not be with a boutique, but I would have her approaching different medical and different support groups. Sure. This would do very, very well there. I did. I'm holding this one up because it's Dale's, and she is here, and it is available in the bookstore below. At the memoir panel this afternoon. Gorgeous, gorgeous book, but it's it's shocking. And you know what though? I where I live, I'm in a you know Del Mar Carmel Valley area. I think some of the boutiques would like this because it's really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, I've sold a lot of my books at boutiques because they're very pretty women's fiction. Yeah. You know, you can see the covers there. They just, they look beautiful. Yeah, I just, I just think it's beautiful. Question, who has a... Christine. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then Christine. Okay. Um, I've been in touch with the Barnes & Noble in Adventura and out we don't have one in Santa Barbara. And, um, you know, they all have, like, the name of the person you call. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, but both of them have not allowed me to have a book signing. And I tell them, I worked 10 years in Ventura County in the farming community, and um, you know would expect a lot of people to come from that. And in Thousand Oaks, we live there. I still have um, contact with that. And my husband was one of the senior vice presidents at Amgen, who employs everyone in Thousand Oaks. And I said, we have so many connections from that, and I feel like I'll have a large audience. And um, both of said no. One person said we just have a lot of requests for book signing. But you know, you bring your own books. And so, do you have any suggestions about should I go in person? I don't yes. think the person who runs them is there. I would find out when they're there. Okay. Most so of these bookstores, there's somebody on the premise who runs them. Find out when they're there. Go in person. Not only do you have your one sheet, but bring a copy. And tell them how well you've done at other book signings. You could even, if you need to, guarantee them a certain number of sales. And Dale, can I can I just jump in there because um, my background is in uh, mental health care, and um, if I were you, I would. I don't think that that mental health practitioners would would want that book or would help her sell that because they don't know what the content is. Um, so read it. <laughs> so well, but but that's my point. I I don't think that they would. But the support groups that you mentioned, absolutely. Bipolar is, you know, it gotten a lot of press in the last couple of years. So I would hit, I would hit support groups um, for people who are 
you know, struggling with mental health issues. Um, but I, I just can't imagine doctors saying, oh, yeah, sure, we'll do it. I, I don't mean in their offices. I okay. 100% yeah, agree with you. Or in hospital. But I just can't conventions. Imagine. Conventions. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, we've got Christine. Uh, so, so this is a very important question to me. I hope as a broad question for everyone. So there is a distinction for me as an author between earning credits, which is really important to develop my author's reputation, versus getting a physical copy of my work, which is, which can be more about ego or optimism than necessarily sales or distribution. And then there's sales and distribution in the hope that we are going to make money and pay our mortgages off our books, right? Which is extremely rare. So I just want to assess what I'm seeing up here. And by the way, I didn't think $10,000 was unreasonable for the full package. I find that I believe that authors can be, uh, this is a bad word, but bled for a lot more than that if they go to various outlets to get what you seem to be offering in a one-stop shop. So authors might expect to pay money like that to get their work produced. Or they might be able to go to, I would say, the two of you and pay the you know, $10 submittable fee or whatever in exchange for being able to have the credit, have the editing, have a copy of their work in the anthology. So I'm trying to address what it is that authors are looking for or expecting from you as publishers, and I'm just trying to make that distinction. So you would give us a book and some marketing support and a community to help that marketing support. You would give us the editing process and the experience of getting to the book. You would work with poetry and publish online and in a, in a, in a physical uh, document a, little, a few times a year, I don't recall. And then you publish two anthologies a year where we could submit our short stories and then have that publication as a reference for ourselves and to be building our credits. Is that a, like a quick snapshot of the distinctions between your work? And if it's, a, if it's not, please tell, help me better understand. What I hear you asking is a little bit about why people would turn to self-publishing a little bit in terms of what does the author want. I mean, I think you, I think you restated a little bit about what we each do. But for me, for example, the books I publish, sometimes the author chooses self-publication, even if they're a very well-established author, just because they don't want to get in the queue with a larger publisher and they want to get their work published quickly. Sometimes an author is just starting out, and a self-published book, especially if it's done for a lower cost, and I'm again, I have a poetry bias, it's almost like a demo tape. You know, musicians used to do these demo tapes before they got a contract with an actual, for an actual album. It's like a demo tape. You can make a little book of your poetry, of a few short stories, of an essays, and then that gives you something to present to your readers, to potential further publishers. So there's a lot of ways that, that the book can be used by the author. Whether I mean, we might all be doing books, but those books might have a lot of different meanings for the author, depending on where the author is in their career. Angela, did you have anything to add to that? Um, I, well, I do the journal twice a year, but I also do single author collections. So that is a bigger commitment and a bigger, you know, uh, that's a bit different than just including someone's short story. So, I think that, that, that regardless of the 
the price range, and, and there is a huge, at least with hybrids, there's a huge differential between hybrid presses. And, um, you know, if you're, what you have to, you have to be an educated uh, author. You have to be, and so you have to, when they say that they're gonna do editing, how much editing? When they say that they're gonna help you with marketing, how much are marketing? Um, study their sites, because their sites will give you a breakdown of, we'll do X amount of editing, X amount of marketing, which they've been very uh, transparent about. But for more, if you're, if you're, if you're paying you know, several thousand dollars, writers don't tend to have a lot of money. Um, and so if you want to be, don't be shy about saying, okay, specifically, what is it that I'm going to get for this X amount of dollars? And then if I want more, how much is that going to cost? You have to be an educated consumer who isn't shy. Marianne? Yeah, I, that was my experience, and I got proposals or contracts, whatever you want to call it, from several different ones that I narrowed it down to. And since, you know, since you're talking about that you published her book, I, I went with Luminar and she published this. The contract that came in from all these different people, they told you how much percentage they're taking, what you get. All, everything, here's everything you get. I found their list comprehensive and I felt like I got as much from her as I was getting from other reputable hybrid publishers, but her price was more reasonable. And this book looks like stuff you see for, it's gorgeous. They have an art department, they have a, a staff. So I work with them, I was happy with them. This image, I'm gonna tell anyone in here that, you know, if you are working with somebody, even a hybrid, and you're working with their art people, they can ask you, is there an image you wanna use? Do you have maybe something you wanna put on mm -hmm. the cover? Okay, there is a, there's a site out there called unsplash.com. I think it's been bought by Getty now. I, I'm not sure, so there, there's no, right now you can get a lot of free images. My old art director from a magazine I worked for, I was looking, I knew I wanted a beach thing, but there's a reason. And I didn't want it to, it's not a beach read, it's not a beachy novel, but there's something crucial that happens at the ocean in this book in two different parts and it ends there. And my old art director found this image, she told me about Unsplash, I didn't even know, I was looking at deposit photos and it's so much money, that was actually reasonable for something but the photo I picked just wasn't as good, and she signed this for nothing. So she At Unsplash? Unsplash. Okay, who found that for you? My old art director. She okay. does, but she's still doing it. Then I talked to an editor that I do freelance for, Texas Monthly. She goes, oh yeah, we use Unsplash. We can do so I have been out of magazines for a few years. I did work, I retired from that. So I wasn't up with what, I know there are sites you can get things. But it's important to know that kind of thing because if they ask you now, if you, I mean, I was in magazines, so I had a good eye. I did photo shoots for 30 years. I, I published magazines. I worked, with the, I worked with great art directors and I learned from them. So I know what looks good. I buy magazines, won awards. And so this cover was exactly what I wanted. They put it together, their art people did it. And I would tell you, years ago, I used to come to this conference, more than 20 years ago, and there were people here who did yeah, self-publish. And in those days, mm -hmm. it's like you were going to your trunk and taking them out of your car. You had to have, you had to pay all this money to get all these books printed out. Before, to me, the whole print-on-demand changed the whole playing field for writers, totally, and for publishers. So back in the day, though, these it, it did. It looked like they did self-publishing. I, I used I used some people to put out a magazine once in my industry, 
so horrible. It looks like they were doing it on you know, desktop publishing. They didn't know anything about fonts or layouts. So like you said, you'll see a book and say, ugh, everything's wrong. So to do that is a mistake unless you are some kind of award-winning art director and you've done books. But to go to a company like this, they have an art department that knows what they're doing. And so you have to decide what you can afford. I knew what I could afford at this point in my life, and they gave me a great deal for what I what I could, and I'm, I find, found it good. There's all kinds of deals out there. Just do your homework, but ask them to send you like what would be like a contract, like here's what you'll get, here's what you'll pay, here's how much you, they give you all, and you have to make sure you get that. I had some nebulous stuff from people, it was iffy and you didn't know, or, or it looked like, wait a minute, what am I getting out of this? You're getting everything and I'm doing all the work, so do that. Another, uh, another way to vet your small presses, and, and, and that includes your hybrid, is um, someone mentioned referral, that you get most of your stuff from, from referral. Was that you, Chris? Yeah. Um, you can go to LinkedIn, and because that's the business, and you can say, which I did uh, about eight years ago, has anyone published on this hybrid press? And if you have, can I talk to you? I got three people immediately. I don't like LinkedIn, and so I don't spend a lot of time there. But for business, I go there. Um, and so I would recommend that you do that. You can go and get um, uh, small presses, even large presses. Get it vetted. I had three people come back to me within a day, which was so unusual. And all of them had nothing but horrific things to say about this hybrid. Yeah. And so then that helped me ask that hybrid a few questions because now I had um, information from their authors who were not happy. And, um, and so that's what I'm saying in terms of being an informed consumer. Go ahead. Uh, for us, in, in our contract, which is, I don't know, it's like eight or nine pages long. It's pretty long. But it's also, um, I rewrote a lot of it after the lawyer was finished with it. So I think it's really understandable. Um, <laughs> um, we say about four months if we're not editing. If we're editing pretty cool, right? four to six months. Yeah. And I will, but, but to be fair, books can take much longer than that. They, you know, some of our timing because we're sending things back to the author to review, you know, and sometimes you send somebody a cover and they want to crowdsource opinions about it and spend two months on it. You know, we're okay with that. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the best idea to crowdsource your, your cover, but um, we're fine with authors taking their time, but it does add time to it. So, you know, in a perfect world, without editing, we're about four months, and with editing, we're about six. So if the ball is in your court, it sounds like it moves. We, have, we are very process-oriented. I am very process-oriented, so I make everybody follow their steps. Um, yes, and we move things along pretty, pretty quickly. And, 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 and then I'll, I'll ask all of you that, because um, you know, I know that we want to know that. Um, but I wanted to just make mention of back in the day, in the 90s, 
when self-publishing wasn't called self-publishing, it was called Vanity Press. And Vanity Press, what I, I think the reason why, why Amazon became a hero to many writers is that you could do print-on-demand. Vanity Presses, you literally had to purchase like the more you purchased, the cheaper it was. So that made the authors think, oh, I better buy a lot. Those books like probably are still in their garages. Um, you'd have to order like 1,000 to 5,000 books. You know how hard it is to sell that? I mean, I know that might not sound a lot to you. It's a lot of books to sell. So to print on demand is the only way um, to, you know, I think it's one of the reasons why, why traditional publishing um, has had the crises that it's had, because it was doing all that back in the day, uh, and it is a, an expensive proposition. So printing on demand, whether you go self-publish or hybrids or small presses, um, that's, the way, that's the way that you want to go. And the other thing that, that is very appealing, and I'll even use the word sexy, is the turnaround. You know that with traditional publishing, by the time you find the agent and the agent finds the editor and the editor gets it accepted through the acquisition committee, which is like at least 12 people that it has to be vetted and everyone has to say, we like it, we like it, we like it, um, you're looking at two to three years minimum. That's what you're looking at. And so, and so uh, keep, you know, keep that in mind. And what I tell people who are uh, considering self-publishing and this isn't hybrid press, this is self-publishing. If you're using your book to market your business, self-publish. If you can write, self-publish, because you can go into that document and you can update it with your newest, you know, whatever it is you're selling. Uh, with your new, and, and it's a fabulous marketing tool when you walk into a conference and you're going to be a keynote speaker at whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, whether it's medical or legal or and to have that book is a, is a better calling card than a calling card. So if you're into using a book to sell, really consider self-publishing and then, and then put your team together. It won't be free, but I think that that's good advice. Yes? I have a question for Sam. Go. I was, I was given a figure a while ago, and I can't remember exactly what it was. Somebody I know who's been book published for years probably told me this. And I was really surprised. Do you know what the average amount of books that is sold? Like, could, would you have any idea if you could say that? And I know there was a figure that I was told something like even like an author that you read that's reviewed and they they're out there and you know you know they they don't sell more than five thousand books a year. We're not talking about the big big bestsellers. We're talking about regular people. So what kind of regular author? Like, do you know what your authors are selling? What at some point we have to say, okay, I've sold. Three, four hundred books to all my friends, my family, colleagues, people that bought one for their mother. <coughs> then how do I move up? And how much can I expect to reasonably sell? Do you have any kind of... That's a great question, Marianne. Hold on. I just looked it up. Oh, you did? Then for tell memoir, us, Dave. For memoir, last night, uh, 250 to 350, um, your first year, lifetime, 3,000. And that's not... Well, let me before, because I, it's a great question, and I would love to hear what the panelists have to say about that. But back in the day, uh, when you got published by Traditional, I remember talking to my editor at uh, Pocket Books, 
And they said, we expect at least a library run. And I said, what's a library run? And she said, 5,000 books. And I went, 5,000 books? That's nothing. It's hard to sell 5,000 books. <laughs> That's a lot of books. So um, keep that in mind. In terms of your expectations about becoming you know, uh, a celebrated author, even celebrated authors uh, have a hard time selling books. Not all of them, but, but some of them do. Now, go ahead, if you guys would, yeah, go ahead, Angela. Um, well, we didn't all get to answer the question about how long, how long uh, it takes to bring a book out. And I luckily, or not luckily, I came up in, in publishing in the sense that I worked for McGraw-Hill for, I don't know, 10 years. So I got to see the internal publishing processes for how people make sure books come out looking well. It takes a long time, and it takes a lot of rounds of review and revision. But if you, uh, I think things have changed a little bit. We have better spell check. <laughs> um, so it, uh, it takes about three to six months to put it together, and most of that is waiting for my, my reviewers, people who are helping me proof, to get through it and give it to me. Um, and I think I actually read, Marla, I don't know if it's correct, that the average self-published person will consider themselves lucky to sell 100 copies. So it's uh, very important to s know what you're dealing with before you step into any, any model of how to present yourself. Amen to that. That's absolutely, that's absolutely right and why your platform is so critically important. It just is. Yeah. You know, you've got to reach your readers. And we have these tools now to reach them. It's called social media. It's called websites that we can create and, and uh, connect with. I mean, that's what you've got to do as an author, whether you're published by Simon & Schuster or whether you're published uh, by your own little press that maybe you've put together. It's hard to sell books. What I always tell my, my writers in workshops is, I know you don't believe me, but if you've finished your book, that's the easy part. And it is. That's the easy part. Why is that the easy part? Because whatever drove you to write that book was motivated by some internal process. You had to get that book out. And so for you, it's not work. It's your passion. Then you have to hit the real world with your book. And you have to find people who would be passionate about your subject. Marianne said it very well last night. She said her book is for midlife women. That's her book. That's who her book is for. And there's a lot of midlife women and older around. Um, so that you, 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 you find your potential market and then you start building your social media and your platform around your market because not everyone's going to buy your book. Not everyone's going to like your book. Not everyone's going to think you're a fabulous storyteller, but some people will, and you got to find them. Um, go ahead. Um, I was going to respond that, you know, she mentioned the numbers of selling 350 copies the first year, and then was it 3,000 over the life of the book? I think those numbers sound off to me. The 350 sounds very re reasonable, but in my experience, almost all the copies are sold in the first year. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing I would encourage you to do as a reader is um, 
take the opportunity, because there's a less of a barrier to entry, right? You don't have to buy those 5,000 copies that have to be printed in China and brought over on a ship, and you have to warehouse. You can do print on demand. I think that doing, getting your books out there and maybe doing books more frequently. So if you're, I would argue against doing minor revisions and just saying like every two years you're gonna have a new edition. Yeah, okay. Um, and that gives you something new to sell. Yeah. It's something, it's a new talking point for getting speaking opportunities. It's you can new, also put that on the cover and that looks good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so make it a new edition yeah. is what I would say. Maybe good a, point. You know, just something to think about. Um, I actually don't have sales figures for my clients because I have all my clients set up their own accounts with both KDP and Ingram Spark and then grant us access so we can go in and do the publishing for them. But I know that I have authors who've sold very well um, in sort of surprising fields. Uh, one of my first authors sells a lot to, to universities because she wrote a book about how visual artists needed to represent themselves through their writing their artist statements, their press releases. And she just said, visual artists don't know anything about this. So that was a very successful book. Um, you know, I hear anecdotally about how they sell, but my authors who sell well are out there selling their book. You know, they're, they're going to book clubs, they're doing Zoom book clubs, they're, they're promoting their book in a lot of ways that rather than being distasteful to them, because most of us hear marketing, I hear marketing, and I'm like, don't make me do it. <laughs> but it's, it's a way to connect with your reader. So they're finding those connections with their readers, and that's a great thing. When you find people who like your work, that's what marketing is. You're finding people who like your work and who want to spread the word about it. So my authors who do well have found a comfort zone for that. They're not necessarily tweeting. They're not necessarily on social media, although, in fairness, most of them are. And they will, they will do well by connecting genuinely with, with their readers. Uh, my time frame's about four to six months. Yeah. Holly, did you have anything to add to that? Um, just a little bit. Our time frame is eight months or longer, to but we try and keep it right at eight months. That's always the goal, and we usually hit it. There, when you say book sales, you know, you've got ebook, audio, paperback, hardcover, and they're all different. You can get one BookBub deal, which you can ask me more about afterward. And you know, I've sold two thousand ebooks with the BookBub deal that I got on two out of my three books, and one of them I got twice. And that's within two weeks. I've made 2,000 sales if you get BookBub. So that's not paperbacks. Book, book bub. BookBub. I can tell you. I, I, B-O-O-C-B-U-B. What did I say? Thank you. Oh, my God. I'm already thinking 20 steps ahead in my head of something else. I apologize. Good heavens. Yes, book, how it's spelled. Bub, B-U-B. Bub, I don't know. <laughs> but, yes, so you go to conference. The more things you go to, the more you're going to sell. And why is it that you, what is it about book? Bub that, that, that made your sales 
So they, do you want me to talk about Bob? Yes, okay. Because it's a, I'm assuming that's a marketing tool that yes. we have available. Yes, it's a phenomenal marketing tool. Yes, both. They, so BookBub has, I don't want to quote the wrong number, thousands, probably tens of thousands of people that subscribe to them for free. And they pick a book of the day every day that they promote to all of their subscribers, ebooks. For one day, you do a sale. And you have to guarantee that you haven't done a sale in 30 days. You know, they, it's really just, it's special to BookBub. You can drop it to $1.99, $3.99. We recommend to our authors that they do $0.99, cents, and we recommend that they run it for three months. We say go. go. It's a similar model to Amazon, because Amazon has that. Well, BookBub has that, uh, that subscription list. They have the people who want to know every day. Okay. And yes. you don't have to pay for that? No, you do. Okay, tell me about that. So, yes. And they don't take most books. I mean, it is a huge honor to be picked by them. So, it, again, that cover, the blurb, and... What kind of books do they take? Pretty much all genres. I don't know about coffee table books. I'm not sure about poetry. But it's, it's novels for the most part. And all genres, I believe, generally. Um, you, if you are lucky enough to be selected... You pay a fee depending on the genre. Some genres you pay more because there is a wider reach. I don't know anybody that got a U.S. book bub deal that didn't make their money back and made more. So it's one of those few marketing tools where your ROI, they're not going to say it's guaranteed, but I dare you to find somebody that didn't make their money back and make more. And they blast it out to everybody on the... Your day of selection, it's very exciting. The author wakes up early and just starts checking their numbers, and it's going up and up and up and up and up. So that is one way you can change your book sales in an, in an instant. And do they, um, I'm only thinking of the word discriminate, so I'm just going to use it. Do they discriminate between self-published and, and traditional hybrid, or do, can anyone apply? Anyone can apply. Okay. Again, I, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember what their acceptance rate is? Maybe 30%, 20%? It's not like a minuscule, but it's not large. They're, they, they are, they, I, I'm out of touch with their latest number. Yeah, it's, they, it's a small percentage, and you're competing with everybody. The big bestsellers are doing it. The New York Times are doing it. So to get selected is an honor. And... You know, they're kind of like Amazon where they're not going to be completely transparent about how they're choosing. I believe that the number of reviews matters. Your ranking on Amazon matters. Your cover matters. Your blurb matters. So this is after your book has been essentially put together. Released. Uh, It it, it is released. It needs to be for sale. Otherwise... When they go to promote the sale, there's nowhere for people to go buy it. But but weren't you saying that this is mostly e-books? It's only e-books. It's only e-books. Yes. I mean, you can have, hopefully you have multiple editions of your book, your your, platforms. You've set it up. 
So if you go into Amazon, you, uh, your, your readers can purchase an audiobook. They can purchase an ebook, They can purchase paperback or hardcover. You want to give your readers as many options as possible because different readers have different preferences. And BookBub is strictly for the ebook. Thanks, Holly. Um, so remember, you know, remember that because you're going to want to perhaps explore that when your book is ready. Go ahead. It's been a couple of years. Kindle Select. You have to join Kindle Select in order to do it. And I don't know that their success rate is quite as high. It's it, BookBud's like one. It's like it's the golden ticket. There are plenty of others that want our book, like BookBud, but they're not as well known. It's kind of like having that one um, podcast that everyone listens to, and they have all that listenership. If you get on it, great. If you get on one that's medium, it's still worth your time. Absolutely. You know, so there are other. Yes, and it's and it's good to have backup plans. You know, it's good to aim for the the golden star, and then if you get silver, that's really lovely too. So, Marianne, now that she's a now that she's well, a no author, like yeah, go ahead. This, I don't know the answer to this, but you guys would. You were talking about if you're you know your rating on Amazon, what makes your rating go up? What makes your ranking go up on Amazon? First and foremost, it's your sales. Your sales with them. Yes, they don't care about anybody else's sales. It's sales with them. And that plays into the great debate of do you want to go with Kindle Unlimited and sell only your books exclusively through them? Your ebooks, I should say. You're not going to ever sell only your paperbacks through them. That would be a disaster. But yes, so if you only sell your ebooks through them, which many authors choose to do, it's going to increase your ranking. Now, the more books you are selling, the more likely they are to start promoting you. So it's, it is a goal to get as many sales as possible on Amazon. What is any number? Like, what's a baseline number you have to they won't tell us that. They won't tell us that. But if you're if you're in the you know a hundred thousand top books, you're doing darn well. Yeah. Well, they'll rank you. I mean, they have like memoir, yes. biography, you know, three little categories, and you're like in the two hundred and fifty-six thousand. Yeah, I think I got into five thousand of the memoir ones, and they update it every hour, but it's twenty-four hours. And, and there are like thirteen thousand. Yes, they just limited it to three, and you want one of those three to be something kind of random and small. You know, if you can pick under basket, water weaving, or whatever the saying is, you pick one intentionally category that is small so that you're more likely to hit in that category as a top-selling book so that you then can legitimately say that your book is a bestseller when you go to promote it places. There's all the, I mean, there's so many tricks yeah, that can and help you. And that's, the, and that's the word that I have an issue with. And, excuse me, we're having a, we're having a workshop. 
Uh, it's one of, when you mention the word trick, it's one of the things about uh, Amazon that has always irritated me. There are lots of tricks to get your book into a bestseller category, and um, putting them in obscure categories is one of the ways to do that. And um, you can, but that's one of the, that's, you know what, when one person is talking, let's let one person talk and then you come in, okay? Um, so just be aware of that when you're, if you're doing self-publishing and you're categorizing your book, um, do, some, do some research on that. Because there are people who have god-awful books who are bestsellers. And it's because they're really smart tech-wise. Remember you could buy Facebook likes. I remember some publisher. He was buying likes. It looked like they, they had their magazine had all these people on Facebook that liked them, and they were buying it. So there is. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to ask the panelists. Um, why don't I use Scrivener? Because I write in there. I compile it for a book. I have it like published for me. I drag my photo over and hit. say you absolutely can I mean there there are tools out there that writers can use and I think this is like sort of one of the points of this panel is that you have to know what tools are going to work for you and what aren't so Scrivener might be absolutely appropriate for certain types of books or you know it might meet your goals it might do whatever that's not what we do you know, we put your book into professional design software and design it with professionals, and that is a different thing. But, you know, getting back to that, that um, thing I was talking about, the three parts of that, that is the design part of the process. And in my experience, that's where most people fall down. It's also where it's the, maybe one of the best places to invest some money because it's the foundation of your marketing is creating a, a good book, a book that looks like it stands on the shelves of Barnes & Noble with books that were published by the traditional uh, big publishers. So there are a lot of options out there, and not everyone can afford to, to pay the money to people, people like us. So we understand that, but you know, we're trying, at least in our company, we're trying to elevate that process of publishing and make sure that people have books that are, are reliable and worth putting the marketing effort into. James, did you have a question? Um, yeah, hi, thanks all for being here today. Um, incidentally, I had an anthology that got to number two in happiness behind the Dalai Lama, but we hadn't really actually sold that many. 
so it doesn't really. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got a kind of a devil's advocate question here because don't get me wrong, I, I love Romans and I love Chaucer's. And please don't shout at me. But we we're living in a world now where eighty percent of books are bought online, and a huge amount of people, including nearly everyone I know, buys audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, Acorn, you you as part of part of your package, it's very much about that we're going to get you into the Barnes and Noble, you're going to do book signing, and I'm thinking, why bother? Because as much as I, I, I'm incredibly sad to see the, the demise of local bookstores, what's going to sell my book is in electronic format and in audio format, and I'm going to get on podcasts instead of getting in my little car and going around from town to town doing books. Yes. Right. So, um, this is, so this is kind of beyond what your services are anyway. This is now when I'm back on my own again and you've done all the wonderful work for me. But do you, do you have an opinion about where we should be focusing all of our time I, I would say that's very genre dependent um, and, t and subject dependent. Some things are going to work better on a local level and some things are going to work as you described. It's, I think the genre of the book is going to depend a is going to dictate a lot of your success in those various forums. For me, uh, I would also say it's not that you have to make a choice between ebook and print book and audiobook. You should have your book out there in all the formats. And then, you know, I think you're right. Books are purchased a lot online, but how it's that that really has to do with your marketing platform. And as she said, it's it's your genre and what you're planning to do with it. So it's, there's not a one-size-fits-all formula, but your book definitely, there's no reason your book should not be out there in all the formats. I don't like to read e-books, although I swear I will buy things with that BookBub um, <laughs> promotion when it comes into my, my email every morning. I'm like, well, I'll be traveling someday, so I'll want some e-books. Um, so I've got like this whole library on my iPad. Um, but, but I'm not publishing books just for me. You know, so and you as authors are not publishing books just in the format you want to read it in. You need to go broad. You need to not think that this is exclusive. If you have a chance to do a book signing in a bookstore, why wouldn't you do that? You know, if it's not something you want to do, and you think you're not selling in bookstores, that's you know that's that's fine too. But it is marketing is a strategy, and you know it's different for each author. James, did you think that what you've heard so far uh, excluded any of those formats of publishing? No, not at all. Okay. okay. Not at all. It's just that I'm, you know, I mean, I remember years ago, I tried to get a magazine. I used to be a magazine publisher. I got magazines. I wanted to get magazines into Barnes & Noble. I was brand new to America, and I thought, Barnes & Noble is It's everything. And it was so hard. And I spent so much time and resources trying to get into Barnes & Noble and uh, eventually gave up. But what I should have been doing is concentrating on other activities to, to get the publication out where I wanted it to be and to get the readership expanded and the subscriptions and things like that. So I just wasted so much time and I, and I don't want to do that again ever. <laughs> I, I, I 
she had her hand up. Um, so I want to ask is how do you go once you have this wonderful book in your hand and all, how do you then go to get an audio of it? And what is what is the cost of that? I'll do. You will? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's different ways to do it. The way Acorn recommends, we don't create audios for our books because we believe ACX does it better. So if somebody else, if there's a better way to do it, we're going to tell you to go use them rather than charge you more to not do as good a job. So ACX can be free if you set up a profit share. You go on there, you can listen to different clips from thousands of different voiceover artists. You can ask them for a sample reading of your book. And if they do a profit share, then it's free. You're sharing a percentage of each of your sales with this person. They will record each one of your chapters. You will be able to go online and listen to the chapter and approve it or say no. You know, you pronounced this character's name wrong or I really wanted more emphasis here. Or in one of my books, I just felt like she, did, she, wasn't, she didn't feel energized enough. Like, could you take it up a notch? Um, so you get to review each of your chapters. When it's done, they edit it for you. They upload it to Audible. Done. All you need to spend money on is your cover design for the audio because it's a, you know it's different than what your paperback and what your hardcover and what your ebook are going to look like and that's a fairly minimal expense absolutely worth it we tell all of our authors get an audio book it doesn't have to cost you anything but the cover and it's a whole nother way to get your book out there and again it does kind of depend on genre i've written in many genres and it's my ya book where I sell my audiobooks. The one that is most targeted to middle-aged women gets the least amount of audiobooks purchased. I think it's we want to read a book. So it depends on who's reading your book and what their preference is. But you don't want to leave yourself out of any of these opportunities. We're on our own after a certain point, but I actually think that Acorn, with your community group, does more supporting of helping people to get out to their market, get their marketing process. That's yes, we we have. I, like I said, we we go to the festival every year, and all of our authors are invited to go with us to the LA Times Festival of Books. So there's that one ongoing thing each year, barring the disaster of COVID, if it's going on. So there is that. Also, wherever we go, we're bringing our books, and we're you know. You're being seen, but most importantly, I don't know if this is still loud enough. Most importantly, there's a large group of other authors, call them our acorns, they all support one another. They create book signing events they used to before COVID all year long. Um, we used to do WonderCon every year, and I decided I don't want to do that one anymore because I don't like the fluorescent lights and being in that space. But a large group of our authors that had been going with me, now they all go with, together 
and they rent a booth together and they split the cost. So, yes, it is. It, your his family sounds like a cult, so I don't want to say family, but friends. You're, it's huge. It's huge. And, and yes, and Dennis is getting them into the airport and. You know, one of them will have an idea to do a book signing at a restaurant or on a pier somewhere. So, ongoing support. Two of our authors ended up going to Hawaii together. They got along so well. They vacationed together. So, you're, you have a built-in network of friends. I'm aware of time. Do, does anyone need a break? Breaks? Should we just keep going? Okay. Do you need a break? No. Okay. Okay. I always need a <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Go ahead, Dale. I wanted to address your comment about why are we doing book signings. And I wanted Holly to answer because I know that um, publishers is book signings, which is really my expression they born is that they push Amazon ads. Yeah. Which I think is They put what, Dale? I didn't hear you. Amazon ads. Acorn does Amazon ads? We, you have to pay extra for us to do the Amazon ads for you. And we'll create the graphics, upload it, get the analytics, provide a report. Yes. Is that part of the price? No. Okay. So that's it extra. starts at, I think, 500 Okay. So, okay. So, yeah, that's... You push it as, like, once the book's done, you're like, do Amazon ads. I believe in it. It's a place where we see ROI. A lot of things don't. PR, a lot of our authors, you know, a lot of people believe in PR. And I think if you've got a large budget, it can be helpful. I come from a PR background. I often, most often, don't see a return on investment. So I say if you've got marketing, or if you have a budget, put it into advertising. I just We see a higher return on investment that way. If you can do everything, do everything. And, you know, if you... You have a publicist who's going to get you an interview with Oprah. Well, they've paid for themselves. I, I have something uh, disillusioned. I'm very new in this industry. I didn't even publish a book. But what I'm hearing is you are expected to, it's wonderful to sell 100 books. That's what you're basically expected to sell. Great if you get to 300, but it's a lot of extra work and a lot of extra money beyond the publishing. Yes. Yes. That's like, go, know where you're getting yourself into. And I'm asking, it's worthwhile to do that, but it's like... It might not be for you. You have got, unless you are writing nonfiction and you plan on taking it to conventions, taking it to speaking engagements, you know, you do those kind of things you're, it's worth it. It it bolsters your business reputation. So it's way better than having a business card. So it's like put ten thousand dollars or more into mm-hmm. a business card. In a way, it's, it's, it's more than that. Okay, I want to hear all of you. I want to hear all of you. And from the audience. Well, are you asking them to defend themselves? No. <laughs> Because that's what it sounds like. I just want to hear opinions. Yeah, you know, people, people, people publish for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. 
So there's, again, it's one of these situations where there's not a, a one-size-fits-all answer. So yes, a lot of the books we do are for, for people who are using them for calling cards because they're doctors or um, I can't think off the top of my head of others, but we do a lot of books for jewelers, people. Yeah. for business people, yes, yeah. and that, that is worth it for them. Um, sometimes we do things, you know, I always, I go back to the story of my mother because that's sort of my business origin story. You know, she was 89 years old. She was so happy to have that book out there. It didn't matter to her whether it was selling or not. Um, she wanted sales. I mean, don't get me wrong, but that was not her main motivation for it. It was to get the book out, and she wrote three more books before she died and published them. She was 96 when she died, so, so she really sort of embraced that. Um, and that is so. So, if you're writing one novel and you're trying to pay the mortgage, it's not going to happen, you know, unless you're I don't know who, whoever wrote Twilight or whatever. Um, <laughs> It's just not a, a reasonable thing, which is why you have to really think about your goals and whether it's worth putting the money into it. And I want to say one other thing. First of all, I think what Acorn charges, $10,000, seems well worth it for what you provide. I, I was at the presentation yesterday, and I was really impressed. Um, we have a really different model because I don't have a PR background. <laughs> Um, and our prices are, are lower, but we're not, um, we're helping some with marketing, but we mostly partner with other people who do that. So our prices started around 2,600, 3,000 without editing, and five to six with editing. So it's a different, you know, it's a different type of company, but what they are providing is awesome. And that's, that's, you know, we're sort of providing the books and saying, you know, here's some guidance, you're on your own. I don't go out and sell books. But it's sort of what you're looking at and what your goals are with the book. It's really important to think about that. Patricia, do you think that that, that difference has anything to do with, because uh, I think that your press is relatively new, do you think that you will grow and, and offer more as time goes on and then your prices will reflect that as well? Um, you know, I started out publishing books for $600, uh, but it is thir thirteen years ago. My company is 13 years old. So I think we might be one of the older ones here. I'm yeah, not sure. You are. Um, we, we're able to keep our prices where they are. They're pretty reasonable. None of us are getting rich. Um, I have to laugh, and I want to talk about this for a minute, too, although I don't want to hog the microphone. But I hear a lot of people online saying you should never pay to publish. Publishing should be free. Self-publishing should be free. And it's, it's a, this persistent myth that the self part of it means it's like a DIY project. that you, you know It's like your macrameing your plants hanger. Or you can pay $20 for one at a store. But the publishing part, getting, pu putting up your files on Amazon and Ingram Spark is, is free. But you have, to you have to have something to publish. You have to take that manuscript and you have to create a book out of it. So those, that, those parts and the editing and the marketing, those parts are not free if you want to do a good job with your book. So 
I just feel like um, we are actually, Marla, sort of going in the other direction, trying to help people, um, trying to help people learn how to do it themselves. So we're expanding to include a lot of uh, online classes for how to set up your publishing account. We have a lower cost package where we just provide the design files and then give you a class and teach you how to upload it on KDP and Ingram Spark the exact same way we do. So because I see publishing, you know, I, I, I have a lot of authors who've done like nine or 10 books with us. And I'm like, why, don't, why haven't you guys set up your own publishing company yet? This, this, you know, I mean, I'm happy to work with them. I love it. But there's, there's an opportunity, again, to sort of elevate the whole craft of publishing and, and expand to authors who can do some of it themselves. But I always say, friends do not let friends design book covers. So, yes, just because you can use scissors doesn't mean you should cut your hair. You know, it's. Chris, did you have something to add? Don't cut your own hair unless you're prepared to live with the results. No, but there's a huge range, so it's not the ten thousand dollars is is a beautiful service, as she said. It's really top of the line, but there's a lot of variation between, you know. And it, it, every author brings something different. That's why I don't have like a rate sheet. Every author brings me something different and asks something different. And so I can give them a quote once I see what they've got. And that can range from $500 to $5,000 depending on how much editing is required, how much they already have in mind, what type of project it is. So there's a huge range. Yeah, and, and can I just add to that that for those writers who really don't have the funds, and I know that, that there are writers, many, who don't have the funds, you really can put a team together by yourself. And, and if you know someone who's a, you can get a free uh, book cover, you can get a formatter for very inexpensive, uh, you can get someone who will upload um, to, to um, Amazon, and that is relatively, and I know lots of people who have done that, that's relatively free. I, would, I mean, you're looking at maybe if you spend $1,000, that would be a lot. Um, and that's not counting the editing. Um, but for people who don't have money, they tend to do trade with their other friends. Friends don't, but they do, because they want their book out, uh, who will edit their book. Because editing is, is expensive. Um, and if you do hire an editor, just make sure that that editor knows, really can deliver what they promise that they're going to deliver to you. So it doesn't have to be in the thousands. You just have to have a tech team around you. Or are you are you a tech person? Me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Most people yeah. count me as that. Yeah. But, but I but I I know people who are ten times better than me. Right. Who do it. Full time. Sure. So I'm like a, you know. But you want to find some, I mean, if you have friends that are, that, and again, this is just for people who really don't have any money, but they've got stories and they want them out. Um, you can put a team together for less than what you will pay a small, or you will, you will invest in, in, in any kind of a press. It's just really hard. Work. I mean, I've done it. It's hard work. Um, I 
actually just really want to thank you for your question because this this concept of defending yourselves or not defending yourselves it's such a challenge, right? I mean, you could absolutely go traditional publishing if you could find an agent, if your agent could sell your book, if they took 95% of your profits anyway, and then over the years you got 5%. Like, there are those options if you're willing to risk your time rather than your money, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I, I, I personally, at least, am reluctant to risk that much time at this point in my life. I hear you. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, these other platforms have have in the last couple of years really begun to thrive because people don't want to do that. I mean, to find a literary agent, you could spend over a year just pitching, pitching, pitching until you get, until you hook someone. And then, as I said, after that, it's another two years minimum. So, um, you know, time, and the older we get, time becomes more valuable, doesn't it? And if we want our books out, we don't, we don't want to cross over and have them in our hard drive, do we? So, so I, just, I say that to all my writers and all my workshops because I know that not everyone has expendable income um, to be able to go down these routes. Um, even though I would seriously recommend that you, that you consider them because to do it yourself, writing and publishing are two different animals. They really, really are so. Okay, other questions? Yeah, go ahead. Well, Wait, can I? Because well, he hasn't I, asked a question. Okay. And then I you. I wanted to ask about editing, because that seems to be the largest expense that there is beyond. It's expensive. Yeah. And you say, well, you've got to find a good editor, but I've not found anything in yet that led me towards. Uh, Finding an editor. Yeah, keep looking. Yeah. Uh, referral. Can I referral? Go can ahead. I address that for a minute? Um, look, look at editors' guilds. Look at um, places. Don't look on Craigslist. There, Reedsy is a possibility. There are there are no there's no like uh, formal criteria to be an editor. So, you know, people on Craigslist will hang their shingle out, and I've, I've had some of my authors use them, and it's it's atrocious. Mm -hmm results. Um, so, you know, get a sample edit, but, but in the Northwest, I know there's the Northwest Editors Guild. I'm sure there's one in Southern California, too. There are places you can find editors, but, but don't just, yeah, pick up a... James, yeah. what did you say? What did you offer? I found my editor on Reedsy. Reed Seed. Reedsy. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they, basically, they have editors all over the planet, and you you submit your synopsis, and then five get back to you, and you pick one, and you negotiate their rate as well. And I have to say that most editors, I mean, Angela does this, most editors, professional editors, they'll get their your synopsis, and then they'll <coughs> give you a sample of three pages. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. like you're going blind with yeah. $5,000. You yeah. can have a sense of whether or not yeah. they're a good match for you. Yeah, and you can also, you can say, this is how much I'm prepared to pay you for the entire project. Okay. Which I, and, everyone works at different speeds. And, mm -hmm. and, and in my experience, um, if they're a published author that's offering editorial services, read you know something that they've they've published and see if, if if that's like the quality, the level of quality 
that you're looking for, like that you would trust them as an editor, because that's how I found mine. I was blown away yeah. by you know the, the quality of her novel. And then also, um, a lot of editors will charge by the page, others will charge flat rate. Yeah. And that also becomes a consideration, because this one came in lower uh, with a flat rate, and yet offered more, and then the quality of writing was so high. So there, all of those are factors to consider, but that's, that's what sold me on, on my editor. Kelly, can I say something about reading the editor's books? Mm -hmm. I know great editors that, that aren't great writers, and great writers that are definitely not good editors. I would recommend reading the books that they have edited. That's yes. Good. Um, because I guarantee you that those writers, even if they're editors, had someone who was a good editor look at their work. Um, I work, I am a freelance editor, and I've worked as an editor for 25 years, so it is very important to what you're asking that you find an editor who, A, is very proficient, very good, but also is right for your work. And what, uh, what you've been mentioning is that um, you can ask for the editor and this is what I ask. I'm not taking clients at the moment. This is not self-promotion. But um, what I do is I ask to look at your work, and I will say, hire me for an hour. I will edit the first however many pages I get through. It will give me a chance to evaluate the quality of your writing and what needs to be done, and it will give you a chance to evaluate if the kind of feedback I give is going to be valuable to you. And what I will also say is that whether you go hybrid, and these, these people here have wonderful editors and are editors who will work with you, but whether you decide to self-publish or whether or not you're just going for the big five, whether, it does not matter where you're submitting that manuscript to, you must have it edited first. And that's probably one of the more important relationships you can develop as a writer is with your editor. Oh, yeah. I had a very bizarre thing. I had, was putting my book together. I Googled, you know, uh, editors for memoir, and I think it was the second, you know, the first or second one. Got in touch with the guy. He's from New York City. He is an editor for all sorts of agents and stuff like that who ask him to either summarize it or give their up, thumbs up and thumbs down, but he was looking for it. And he was fabulous. I mean, for $1,500, he did three complete drafts of my book. I mean, he said, change the order, do this every page. He had add this, restate, do that. And after, when I gave it to Acorn, um, Laura, great editor, she just energized the verbs and it was ready to go. And he came off of Google and he said, let me see your first 20 pages and said, okay, I'll do it. I didn't bet him at all. The lady behind Dale who had her hand up Go ahead. Well, I was going to say a couple things. One is that uh, I I have a few writing groups that meet at my home. Okay. And that is great because that's kind of the first way, and you get to know them, and they get to know you. Mm -hmm. So you know, you, you you just listen, you take what you want, and leave the rest. So that's kind of a good first round, you know. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, and then the other thing is, you know, it's so funny. Partly, I think writers, uh, uh, you know, want to be published because. Oftentimes, if you're out in the real world without, uh, you know, this great support system, you, uh, people will say, well, what do you do? You'll say you're a writer, and they'll say, have you published? And you'll say no, and then you're not a writer, you know? So the other thing is, is what are you believing about yourself that you, you, know, that you need to, 
is it something you want to give to your kids? And so that would be a different level, you know, right. uh, of stuff. And uh, the other thing is I had somebody edit my short stories, and they were really good at it. And then I had them uh, start on my poetry, and they were not. So even that is kind of a lesson to me. What I recommend to, to any writer who's looking, who's, who's doing the business work of writing is I think referrals are really the best way to find just about everybody, including editors. Find the books, I mean, all of us have writers that, that have, we have a writing circle. So find the ones who have published and ask them what they thought of their editor and, um, and get that recommendation. Uh, you know, because the, the World Wide Web is worldwide, I have a real hard time just making a decision where I'm going to be plunking down serious money um, based on a website. Um, so I want to I talk to another writer who has worked with the editor um, to see what their experience was like. So at least put that on your list when your editor searching. Other questions? Anything from the panel that you haven't said that you would like to say? How much time do you have? No, we've, got, we've got another. <laughs> we've got 24 minutes. I just want to say I'd love for any of you who would like to learn more about Acorn Publishing, if you very, very neatly write your email address on that pad of paper up on the table, I will send you a publishing kit for Acorn, which will take you through every single step in the process down into the minutia. So um, you can come up and look at the books, kind of get an idea for the quality of our books, and then leave me your email, and I will send you a publishing kit. Generalizable, in other words, what you're doing is li listing the steps with you. Mm -hmm. But would it be a way for a person to come to understand the, the whole process in general? If it, you would come to understand our process, it's something you could replicate if you wanted to try and do it yourself. I, I well, or just to, just wondered whether it um, would apply to other hybrids or other publishing companies. Yeah, I, I would think that there's going to be some nuances that are different, but yes, I mean, generally the way that it works yeah. needs to be the same. For example, you need to have your ebook cover before you do formatting because you want to make sure that you're pulling the fonts from your ebook cover into your interior design. Very, very important. And then once your formatting is done and you have your final page count, that's when you go back and create your paperback because you need the page count in order to create the, create the correct width for your spine. So then you do the paperback and then you would do the hard cover. You can't do your audio until you're all done with the entire process. So yes, I, it will give you the general way that it works. I would think for anybody if they're doing it professionally. Um, I also have, I have resources not here, but if you go to my website, I have kind of an overall guide 
to self-publishing, it's either free or $6. I can't remember because I have a marketing guy who does all that stuff now. Um, it's, uh, I'll, I'll leave my, is it okay if I put my, I'll, I'll leave my business cards over there and you can find it there. Um, but yes, I, it's, it's really helpful and I'm sure your market, your guide helps with this to sort of understand what the steps are. You really have to understand what you're getting into. It doesn't mean you have to do everything yourself, but you need to understand what the, what the procedure is, what the possibilities are, and but, you know, some it'll help you figure out maybe whether you do want to take things on yourself or put together your own team. Or, or whether you're being offered something that is uh, badly lacking in some place that you wouldn't know. Yeah, and I want to touch on this a minute too because I, I, there are a lot of people out there like Holly and myself and these women who are doing great work for authors. There are a lot of scams out there. There are a huge number of scams. Um, one recent one, you know, like I'll publish an author and then they'll say, oh, you know, so-and-so told me for $3,000 they would republish my book and get me a new ISBN and get me a, and I'm like, we just did all that. Like, we just did all that work, but someone saw their book and cold called them. So I'm always thinking, you know, like, we don't cold call. We, we're never going to cold call. We're never going to bug people. Um, we don't even like sales that much. So we don't, I mean, we like, we like work, but we don't. But really beware, because as you start to, to Google self-publishing and, and hybrid publishing and things, people are going to be finding you and offering you things. And it, it, there, there are places, there's writers beware. You can look up there. You can look up the best and worst self-publishing companies on uh, the Alliance of Independent Authors. But do your homework before you hand over a bunch of money to somebody. I have to add to that. I just got a text the other day from someone who knows who it was. I said, this is some scam. Hi, is your book, they didn't even call me by the right name. Your book is what we remember. Get a hold of us now. I thought, you know, who knows how that They works. They will approach people and say, Amazon recommended your book. Right. For Somebody told me for a screenplay. Should I give them $5,000? Right, yeah. No. Like some scam no. Like that. Like, oh, Amazon does not recommend books for screenplays or other things. So it is really important to, to do your homework and make sure you're, you're with somebody who's solid. Can we talk a little bit about pre-event? Do you have your authors um, six weeks before pub date? Um, you, do you get it up on the site so people can start ordering the book? Pre-release, is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah. With the ebook, yes. Okay. Yes. So how, how soon before it's published do you... I, I want to say we can put it up about three months. We, about three months. We need to have the cover design. Okay. So what so, do they need to do? Because in my opinion, mm-hmm. that's really important. There's, you know, here's... And we're doing it. But, you know, just so you're aware of the reason you wouldn't want to do it, and I do think it's worth it, but the drawback is that anybody that orders your book for pre-release, those sales don't count on your release day. 
And there are authors that are all about getting the maximum number of sales on the release day for the opportunity to hit best-selling categories and hopefully get into Amazon's algorithm because they had so many sales. So that there is that trade-off. Traditional does that. Yes. And why do they do that if it's not well, going to count toward the... Because traditional doesn't... They don't even count Amazon sales. The New York Times, they don't even count Amazon sales. They don't so care. Why. Yeah. So don't. then where do they get their account from? Small. Where do... Where do they get their account? If they're not... If they're ignoring Amazon sales, where are they... For rankings? I don't know. I don't... I don't... Because that just doesn't sound right to me. Why would they not... Because Amazon won't give that information up. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Mostly, they're, they're distributing through, through Ingram. So they'll be getting in, they'll be getting information in sales because Ingram Spark is like an author account. Um, as a publisher, you have a, a account with Lightning Source, so which is they're they're all part of the same same company. But yes, they're getting they're able to send their sales reports and verify them through through Ingram or Lightning Source. So then, authors that go with hybrid shouldn't worry about that. Pre-release. No, you still want to make the. But if it's not going to count toward their sales, why would they do it? It's it's counting Publicity. towards sales. It's just not counting for the first day of sales. It's not like oh. you've sold all these books oh, on day true. one. Okay. Okay. Which some authors are focused on. Okay. So they're still Got making you. the money, and a lot of them you're doing publicity, and you don't want to miss the sale. It's just as a strategy, mm-hmm. which I personally do. As a strategy, I like to have all my sales count for the release day. Not all my sales, but I want to get as many sales on one day as possible. Because if we're talking about illusion, to to have a book, um, never mind. Okay, I won't it's go down that road. It's partly illusion because you're because it's an illusion. But it's yeah. not completely because if you hit high enough, if you get a high enough number of sales, you that appears in their secret Amazon algorithm. And if you are win the winning lottery in the secret algorithm, they'll start promoting your book for you. Well, and that's, that's why I, massive. Yeah. I, my understanding is that you want free release. And I get this from agents. And for that, for that reason, they didn't go down that road and explain it. But free release is pretty darn important. Well, it's, it sounds to me like the reason for that is, yeah, agents in the traditional model are all about known sales as of, you know, we know a minimum that's going to be sold because we did it free. And then they also have a different marketing plan that's going to happen after. But when you are hybrid or self-public and you really want to take advantage of the machine doing the work there, you know, Amazon promoting because you've hit thresholds, you need to play that game differently. And it depends, so the both models are correct. It depends on where you're looking to drive things. Right, and you can also, you. you know, you can promote pre-release not on Amazon. I mean, you can set things up, we can set things up for pre-release, but you can also, you know, if you're trying to drive those sales on the first day, you know, you have your mailing list, you have social media, you have all these other places where the cover 
comes in very handy and you can sort of generate some excitement about the book by letting your, hopefully your, your readers, the people who will buy the book, know the day that it's going to come out. Amazon is, is a tool. That was a, a really good way of doing it, letting the machine do the work. Um, but you're still going to be, you, you still need to let people know about it, whether it's through Amazon or some other channel really gets into the minutia too. So here's another thing. With Ingram and Ingram Spark, you can do a pre-release, pre-sale of your paperback. With KDP, which is a subsidiary of Amazon, you cannot. So if you wanted to do a pre-release of your paperback as a hybrid or self-publishing, you would need to upload it to Ingram Spark first put it for pre-sale. Here's the, here's the catch, though. You do that, and you've now become the priority so that when people go to buy on Amazon, Ingram Spark is the priority distributor, not KDP. Amazon doesn't like that. They don't like that. They're not going to have enough of your books. You're, for your release, they may only have purchased five books from Ingram Spark, and they'll just say your book's not available for purchase. They'll punish you. So you absolutely do not want to do it for paperback. For that, for that reason, the only pre-release that I do is just through the website bookstore, and that doesn't affect the KDP Ingram Spark thing that you're talking oh, about. Oh, interesting, Angela. So then people can come to your website. Yeah, I have a bookstore, okay. and so I, I investigated what what she's talking about, which is the order in which you publish on Ingram. And Amazon is important. You, I believe everyone agrees you do KDP first. Absolutely, and wait and, three months after your release. And I think Amazon only allows pre-order for you know big five publishers. I think they do, but for smaller presses, they don't. And so I just thought, all right, well, I'll order it for... I'll have it in the bookstore for pre-sale. And I did get a fair... Uh, because that particular author that I just... It's the first time I did it. Because she had a lot of connections and networking... A lot of people did pre-order it, and it was very exciting. Yeah, that is that's a great workaround. It's yeah. a really good workaround. Other questions, because we've got just a few more minutes left. Um, did you go over how the New York Times bestseller is um, formulated? How that comes about? I just heard a weird story that if someone wanted to, they could just buy up massive amounts of their own books, well, and then yeah. they could. Is that a fable? Yes. Does anybody else want to answer? So well, you can also buy an ad in the New York Times for thousands upon thousands of dollars, and that will certainly factor into because um, you know, like Amazon, I'm assume I'm going to just assume that the New York Times sticks to its own, you know, likes its own tribe, and so if you've just given them $50,000 for a full-page ad, which I think that's even a low figure, mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to be grateful to you. Yeah, the word on the street is is that it is kind of rigged, just like everything else. my question, actually. Is it rigged? And are these actually the best books? That's a huge... Well, that's, I mean, that's so subjective. 
They didn't even say they're the best books. They say they're the best seller. Are they the best seller? Well, if they're not counting Amazon, they're the best seller of the of of their publicity of the traditional. I mean, it's nothing is a hundred percent legit. There's tricks for everything. Just like there's tricks for being a bestseller on Amazon, as Marlo is saying, there's tricks for being a New York Times bestseller. And keep in mind that there's a trend that I that I, I think is is um, is dependable. That um, books bestselling lists, you know, USA Today just nicks theirs like about three months ago. You no longer they no longer have a, a, a bestselling list on USA Today. Um, there's going to be a, other ways, so keep, just keep your eye on this. There's other ways to get your, uh, and other platforms to um, get your book on if it's selling really well, because the old model, as we know, it's shifting across the board. So when um, an agent from Ontario who is you know, to me, she's agenting in 21st century style because she's she's with a great agency, and um, and she's kind of the spokesperson for trends. And she says, when when USA Today dropped their list, we all started getting nervous because we knew it was the beginning of the end of something. We don't know what it is, but we're tracking it. So just keep that in mind. Um, in terms of best-selling. In 10 years from now, uh, best-selling lists may have a, a different or may shift its definition. That was really my question, because people take so much stock in, um, when you see a blurb on the back of the book, they'll say it's by New York Times best-selling author, yeah. and that's supposed to carry weight. And um, I was wondering, is, is that shifting away? Is that really... I don't know that the, that that's shifting away from the New York Times, but I think that there's a trend out there. Just pay attention to it. I think uh, I, I don't know any authors who would. Well, I shouldn't say that. An author, a best-selling author, will blurb a friend's book even if the book is mediocre. I would too. That's just what friends do for each other, and they did that long before our 21st century reality came into existence. You network with your peeps. You help your peeps. That's just the way it is. That's why writers conferences are still so viable because you can't get this if you don't show up. And even though you don't have a book to publish now, hopefully you will. And I think Marianne, you can speak to that. You know, she's been at this conference for a very long time. She's very well published in magazines, but this is her first Book. And you're getting all kinds of support from this conference because we support our own. We support our own. Um, and and I just think that's human nature. We do. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's Absolutely. just the way it is. It's just life. Hey, I worked in the hair business for many years, hair and beauty. And okay. I was real, I made tons of friends all over the country. Hairdressers, very successful. And some of them, they, they, and they loved what I wrote, they loved me, I became friends with them. When my book came out, one of them, she was a big hair colorist in New York City, she has a big following, she still teaches. So she has a, um, a group, a private group of colorists, and 
they're all probably, she said they're all over 50, 55, but they've been doing this for a long time and they're really good. I think 8,000 people in that group, she promoted my book the day it came out to that group. Remember her? She was there and then yeah. somebody else, another hairdresser right. put up and tagged me and I saw other people I haven't seen for a really long time. Oh my God, she was the best, she wrote the best story. I'm buying it now. I didn't know she had a book. I'm buying it. I'm ordering it. Thanks for recommending it. People I didn't even know. Got weirdo ways that that this book is sold to unusual things because you just it's like if you make friends and you're ever with nice somebody get the word out there and do it you know mm -hmm. so because because you never know who's gonna do it and you don't I somebody this was great somebody some uh, person's in PR in the industry she put a big thing up and tagged me on Facebook and there's a character in my book named Teresa Moretti that's her maiden name. This Teresa Moretti writes on here because she was Nicole's friend. Oh, Nicole, thanks for recommending this book. And I wrote to her, I said, oh my God, Teresa Moretti is the name of one of my characters. She goes, well, no, I'm definitely buying it. <laughs> a couple of people bought it because their last name is Dockery. They said, maybe we're related. I thought, no, it's my husband. We're not related, but I'm not calling you that. Yeah. Bye, bye. <laughs> so it's weird when you think, you think, you might think you know who you're going to, but you never know who's going to do it. And recommended somebody else. I had people that bought multiple copies. Oh, this is my favorite. I, I think this would make a great TikTok, but I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I could put it on Instagram, but there is my, one of my friends, she was my editor for years. She worked at Texas Monthly now. She said, I bought your, I bought a book, your book, today. I'm sending it to my mother. It's her birthday tomorrow. Her mother is 93. She was in assisted living in Texas somewhere. So she calls her, I said, your mother, 92, well, there's some stuff in here. Your mother is really Catholic, and mm, there's some things I don't think she'll like. No, my mother reads everything. She's a voracious reader. She's sharp as a tack, never misses a trick. So she sends the book to her. She writes to her the next day and says, Mom, did my package get you my book? She goes, yeah, I got it. She goes, I'm 50, I've read 50 pages already, and so far it's really good. And I said, oh, I'd love to have a picture of a 93-year-old woman reading this book, and then put it up. That didn't go viral. You know, a couple of people I know put pictures of their cats with glasses on, reading, but my summer read, and I mean, so you never know who out there is, you've got some quirky friends and they get the word out in weird ways, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> well, you do, but they're helping you. Yeah, they're helping they are, you yeah. do the heavy lifting because that's what it is. It's really, really hard work. Um, and getting assistance from wherever you can get it, you got four publishers right here who might be helpful to you. Um, I recommend it highly, but hey, honey. I just wanted to know, who are buying the young adult books? Well, teenagers and, and actually young adult is a huge genre. Um, adults read young adult as well as is um, it's one of the top genres. Well, it's called yeah. books. Really? Think about it. Yeah, books that we read growing up weren't called YA. They were books or they were literature. And they might have had younger characters, but nobody, anybody could read them. You know, Judy Bloom, I don't think she was called YA when she first Yeah, she was. That was actually a category then, way back. Yeah, but it was. Well, I don't know about her first book, That's what but I was talking about I've only known her as a YA. Also the, the author that was most banned, had the most banned. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. believe it. Yeah. Hey, I put my book up, one day I put a 3D cover of my book up and I said, on Facebook, I said, this book would be banned in Florida. Order it now and find out why. <laughs> 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 you know, we're at we're at we're at the end, um, and so uh, if there are any, you know, little, say it now or forever. Yeah.
I just wanted to put in the idea that um, there are there are a huge number of baby boomers out there who prefer to read books, books on paper. So that even though younger people mostly listen to audiobooks, it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't apply across the entire population. And if your book isn't for those young people, then who cares? And you're right. And you know what? I just read a statistic not long ago. It said it's coming up very quickly. Baby boomers are going to outnumber all younger people in this country. So there, that's we a have some they that's and they read. So market to them. Right. We're yeah. a big. We're a big. Um, market. Oh, I've never read an e-book in my life. I don't like them. I like audio books versus audio books. I'm just saying. Do the panelists have any last words because we're done? Please leave me your email. Okay, good. <laughs> I'd love to send you a publishing kit. And make sure I can read it. I'll put my cards up there. Thank you all for coming. This has been really fun. Chris. And I think. Um, hold on, yeah. hold on. We're not done yet. Chris. What? Any last words? Um, no, good luck with your writing. There's lots of ways to get it out there and a lot of ways it can look. And I know you'll find the one that works for you. Thanks very much Angela. for coming. Thanks very much. It was lovely to talk with you all. all right. Thank you, everyone.